All right, this episode, I got a chance to sit down and uh, have a good conversation with a gentleman named Kelly S. Warden. He is a longtime practitioner of several different martial arts. He was certified with the Datu title by Remy Preses and is one of the earliest uh, people to earn that particular distinction. He's worked with military combatives and even designed one of the uh, defensive systems being used by our special forces today. So it's a pretty cool guy. He's got a lot of really interesting stories. He's had some really harrying experiences in his life. And through all of that stuff, he's turned that into his system, which is the natural spirit method. And that's a blend of his Arnie's and his uh, Jeet Kune Do training and a bunch of reality stuff that he's gone through in his life. So he's a down-to-earth guy. He's uh, direct and right to the point. Um, there's a little bit of uh, language going on in this podcast. So if you got uh, little ones around, just as a fair warning, it's got a little bit more language than we normally have. But uh, we've uh, taken care of most of the uh, harsh stuff. So anyway, hope you guys enjoy this one. And we'll uh, get right to the show. Have a good one. All right, welcome to the Artists of Motion podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Kelly S. Warden. He is the founder of the Natural Spirit International, the Warden Defense, and longtime instructor of military combatives. I want to welcome and thank you for being on our show today, sir. It is truly my honor. Mr. Warden, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's a pleasure to uh, get an opportunity to share some uh, martial theory and uh, some personal reflections with you. That's exactly what this show is about. We want to hear what your story has been. So since, you know, everybody out there may or may not know who you are and where you've been, um, I did some research and there's quite an extensive biography on your, on your website. And when I did some you know, cross-checking, I think you kind of downplayed it a little bit. So um, first thing I like to do on the show is just ask everybody who's on our show, tell us a little bit about your background. Who are you? Where you've been? What are you doing today? What makes you, you know, what makes you happy to be in martial arts? Oh, man, you know, I often uh, say when I'm teaching and lecturing, and sometimes it's just for shock value, but uh, hey, if it wasn't for martial arts, I'd probably be in prison or dead. And uh, people always go, what? And I say, well, keep in mind, I'm from Tacoma, Washington. But uh, there's, uh, you know, there's a stigma about Tacoma. And, uh, you know, before the Crips and the Bloods, there was the bikers and uh, car clubs. And my brother, older brother, was a part of both of those. And, and so about age 12, 13, that's what I was getting exposed to. And, man, I just loved the scooters. And I loved scooter chicks, man. I mean... 12, 13 years old, you get done with your paper route at, uh, oh, I don't know, midnight. And, oh, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of fun because uh, my mom and dad, uh, you know, a former they're old, old school military from World War II. And uh, so I would stay up late and watch The Wolfman and Frankenstein and, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, stuff like that. And then go, hey, uh, the papers are at the box. I'm going to go deliver them. And then I could sleep in in the morning. And uh, it seemed logical to them because of waking up a kid in the morning to to do his six o'clock responsibility after watching monster movies all night, uh, probably was harder than, you know, that's where the, the glass of water came in. Uh, uh, it's time to get up for the third time, you know, so you get a flash of water and, um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I would, uh, I would get, get up and, uh, watch these movies and then I'd go deliver newspapers. And, uh, since it was kind of a no neighborhood, um, you know, biker club, that type of stuff, there would be somebody within a reasonable proximity of a bicycle ride 
that uh, had a scooter party, scooterhead party uh, uh, at their house. So I would sneak on in, and uh, I knew who to kind of elbow up to so they wouldn't slap me and throw me back and say, hey, you need to get out of here, you know. Uh, but I didn't get to enjoy some of that party time. I wasn't drinking or anything. I was just like watching the action. And, uh, you know, sometimes it seemed like it was like Thunderdome inside a house. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff back then. And, um, you know, I like to say when bikers were bikers, but, uh, you know, kind of the pirate mentality. But, uh, you know, through that, that, that gave me common sense. You know, how, who to avoid, how to avoid recognizing a threat, realizing that uh, people are totally unpredictable and violence can break out at any time, man or woman. Uh, I mean, you're, you're protecting your turf in that environment. And uh, for the most part, you don't have to answer to anybody. You have to answer to a president of a club, uh, or if you're totally wrong, you're going to get the boots from multiple directions. And so, hey, you know, if you want to be the badass, you had to conquer the conquer, uh, you know, whoever was there from a different club, and that's when the throwdown happened. And wow, you know, yeah, you definitely know how to. I guess evasive mobility would be a good. Uh, a uh, good description of when you're a little fart like that running around in a room full of giants and uh, shit starts flying. Well, hey, you better be quick on your feet and know which direction to run. Sounds reasonable. So I've always, yeah, I think I've, uh, I, I learned from some of the best when it came down to mobility, improvised weapons, uh, setting up. Um, you know, how to turn a table, how to turn a chair when you're either engaging or you're evading, you know, that type of stuff. So a lot of fun stuff uh, growing up. And then there again, it was uh, life as usual, uh, riding a bicycle, playing football, playing baseball uh, at the boys' clubs, things like that, doing some boxing at the boys' club. That was uh, that was all all about what I did. And then, you know, when the old man was drinking, how to get the hell out of the house and, uh, you know, when to go back after he's cooled down, you know? So, uh, life was, life was crazy. There was no such thing as, uh, you know, child abuse. That was called discipline. And, you know, anyway, moving on. What else you got, brother? Uh, that's childhood and uh, learning how to you know get in and out of situations. So when did you start training martial arts wise? Well, you know, boxing was first, and boxing was just a part of being down at the boys' club. And then, you know, uh, that's kind of what was my escape hatch. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, drinking was part of life for the old man coming out of World War Two, and uh, there was no thing, such thing as. Uh, post-traumatic stress you know he came back home on the queen mary uh, uh with tuberculosis he had six kids couldn't work you know uh, you, you get uh meds for you know a number of things and then you mix it with homebrew you know he made his own beer and he made his own wine and so it wasn't like he was ever gonna run out of a a ruthless buzz and uh, so yeah i hung out at the boys club a lot 
uh, boxing was the uh, introduction. And, you know, a lot of times it was just like, hey, man, you know, I had a bone to pick with you, and, well, let's go, you know. Or the basketball coach would stop everything and throw two guys in the, in the ring. And, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, classically trained or anything. I did uh, get a lot of coaching from my dad, and I got beat up a lot from my older brother, or at least slapped around. And uh, so you you learn how to, uh, you know, address those factors. I like to laugh and go, uh, there was a, a redhead kid, and he had this cock eye. His name was Donnie Pease, and, you know, tough little guy, uh, football, you know, especially football, but he played all the sports. He was reasonably good. Um, so... Um, uh, Donnie, uh, my pit bulls in the background, but, uh, Donnie just dropped his head and hit it with windmills. And, uh, I'd be like, wow, you know, just blow you over. If you're trying to, you know, box, you know, jab cross that type of thing. And here comes some guy just burrowing in. Now today I realize he was a choice of foot practitioner in disguise. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, now you know a little bit about martial arts, you can classify the uh, the bestiology or the beast coming out in these little farts when uh, when they're kicking your ass, you know, and if you never had your ass kicked and you're that good a martial artist, well, you know, I think you just need to be beat up so you can realize uh, what, what you're instilling in others and you'll stop being a bully because uh, that's usually what happens is, People are bullies because they've never been punked off. They've never had their ass handed to them, you know, uh, you know that type of stuff. So that's the beauty of martial arts. You come to start to realize that, uh, um, you know, a skilled individual can come in many shapes and sizes, and uh, you know, um, you can get uh, you can get your ass handed to you at any point in time and, uh, barroom brawls and classical styles. I, I wrote, uh, years ago when I was writing for, uh, full contact magazine, uh, I wrote the rare American art of biker Kwan gun jitsu. And, uh, it, it was really to address the fact that stylized practitioners, uh, you know, sometimes have a misconception because they only do their dojo sparring in their dojo. They don't go out and raid somebody else's school, and uh, you know, it's it's not that aspect. And they don't go out, you know, uh, maybe rocking and rolling at nightclubs on Friday night and uh, Saturday night and in the neighborhood they ain't supposed to be with about three of their other buddies. And you know, that's how shit happens. And somebody recognizes you. And next thing you know, you got you got some game going on in the parking lot or in the bathroom. Or uh, hey guys, I tell you what, I don't like that creep. So when I go in the bathroom, just keep the door closed. Somebody's coming out. And we'll find out who. And so you know, it's it, it is about survival uh, in your hood and establishing uh, some level of dominance. Uh, in that environment, and uh, and that's part of growing up, part of the lifestyle, depending on where your neighborhood is. I didn't have a chauffeur by any stretch of the imagination or a bodyguard. I just had people that would watch my back when we'd go out. And that was uh, 
more or less a, a natural uh, um, element of, of um, who we are and what we did. So a lot of streets, street experience that way. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, you know, we didn't even see it as that because, uh, you know, that, that just became a, a good term to talk about after you, you know, later on, you know, hey, man, are you streetwise? And, geez, you know, uh, I, I often say, you know, the kids are the true ninjas because we can get in our car and drive down the street to the grocery store and see that it's a little bit uh, thuggish and uh, say, well, maybe we ought to go out to, you know, a better, uh, you know, better, better neighborhood and do our shopping there. And, you know, kids, uh, kids don't get that opportunity. They gotta, they gotta roam wherever they live. And, uh, you know that that can be that can be real tough, and uh, so you know it's making judgment calls on kids. You know you're either going to be as tough as the neighborhood, or you're going to be the candy ass that gets his ass handed to him every time he turns around until you make a decision that this ain't going to happen anymore. So you know that's that's part of that evolution. So yeah, I guess it is uh, the responsibility of the older brother and. Uh, some of the friends of the family and, you know, even the old man to toughen you up. You come home with a bloody nose. Well, you know what? It's time to turn around and go back and get and return that favor. And, yeah, shit, I can remember being drugged right back to the schoolyard. Well, man, out in the parking lot with this, this kid's dad. And, uh, you know, and the kid was older than me and, uh, he just decided that I was an easy target. So my old man drugged my older brother and here's where the fight's going to begin guys. You know, your son's the same age as my oldest boy fight him, huh. you know, and if you don't, I'm going to kick your ass, you know? So my old man was a pretty tough old bird and, uh, you know, uh, it was, I, I just remember a lot of stuff like that. Uh, my older brother came home later in life. My older brother came home and, you know, had the cops kind of looking for him for a multitude of, uh, it, it was petty shit. Uh, he had a 38 Ford with a Cadillac in it. And, uh, man, he could rip and tear those streets. I mean, he, he was probably running low 11s. Uh, with that that caddy, his biggest fear is he'd blow that LaSalle transmission or one of his or his rear end. But he'd just have that thing up and he would terrorize the town. He'd even take my mom grocery shopping, and there'd be one street there that uh, you know you just couldn't get across during rush hour traffic. And you know it's not like we had a lot of rush hour traffic, but that one main street, and he'd just r up and he'd be popping that clutch and going sideways right across the street, you know, and, uh, and then into the parking lot at the store and my mom would just be like terrorized. And, uh, there's a reason her hair turned white. Uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was us boys, you know? Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, and I know people want to hear about the martial arts, but it's martial arts is really about spirit. And it's how you comprehend the threat of your environment that cultivates your spirit. And so if you ain't, you know, living that kind of lifestyle, you ain't getting exposed to anything except for dojo martial arts. Well, you know, you're going to have a limited 
survivability um, skill set. And uh, so, yeah, you know, um, I kind of, I kind of got educated. Like I said, it's it's up to your older brother. It's up to, you know, it's even up to you looking for your. Uh, what's adventure to you? You know, is it is it just school sports? I, I think I could have became um, completely different person if uh, all this other stuff wasn't going on around in my life. More of a controlled environment. Um, you know, uh, I, my mom was never a single mom, but my dad was uh, in the VA hospital when he, you know, he had tuberculosis. So. Uh, he was home sometimes, and the other times he was up at uh, uh, the Veterans Hospital laying in an iron lung. Of course, I had no idea what the hell that meant, except for later in life, you know, you start paying attention in school, and you realize that, wow, that's that's what made the old man tough, you know, uh, living through, you know, uh, World War Two in Germany, and then uh, coming home and not being able to really feed your family. Uh, he worked in the shipyards when he could. When he didn't, he was, uh, you know, in a hospital. He'd come home from the hospital. He'd bring about three or four soldiers with him because he had a crock of home brew brewing in the attic. And, uh, you know, I'm 12, 13 years old. I know how to bottle beer, you know. Uh, you know, make sure Kelly or Ron... Ron's my older brother. Make sure those little bastards, uh, you know, got a couple cases of beer bottled up. Well, for my older brother, that was just a great opportunity to suck on the hose before, you know, he siphoned it out of a 50-gallon vat, and uh, he'd suck on that hose, and he'd be <laughs> shit-faced, you know. And, uh, you know, Mom didn't really care because I was carrying down six-packs or 12-packs as they go, and... Uh, you know, she'd be shit-faced by the time we were done, you know? But, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I guess things were a little bit different <laughs> at the Warden household, you know? Uh, so you went from all, all that street experience. How did you get involved with the military and training them? Oh, gosh. Well, I had my gym. Uh, you know, uh, I'd left... Uh, I was with Ed Lewis for a long time, and he was a kind of a streety kid. Uh, no, well, there's no doubt about it. He was from the other other side of the main street and kind of the east side of Tacoma, and he'd been in quite a bit of shit. And, um, you know, there were shootings at those times, and, you know, a black kid in the neighborhood where there was a lot of bikers. So, you know, he had, you know, wow, he... He had experienced this stuff. He was under Steve Armstrong, and actually we had a national karate uh, record when, you know, long before, you know, AAA was around or Atlantic team was around, that type of thing. So um, having a, being raided back then was pretty tough to do. So, you know, I'd trained with Ed and lived with him for about eight years, and so we we rabbit, you know, gotten a lot of shit, man. Oh man, it's, you know, there's just some good stories to tell on on that, and you know, I'll, I'll share this one because it's a real hell raiser, hair hair raiser too. And 
you know, I went out and Ed couldn't go out that night. So I went out by myself and, you know, I was chasing girls and found one and I left my car over at a friend of mine's house. And the next morning I went over to get my car and, uh, I said, Hey man, where's, where's Dennis? Well, there's about six guys in the house and that was never a big issue, but these were different guys and I had recognized at least one or two of them and didn't really care for them uh personally and uh it was kind of a party house next thing you know here's dennis's old lady walking out of the bedroom uh, you know looked like she'd been hammered all night i don't know by six guys or just the one that was following her with his shoes in his hand and i'm like well where's my buddy and well he's at the hospital and uh so i i didn't say shit i just said i just went to the hospital and um i said hey man uh, what's going on? Who's that? Uh, you know, even you, Steve, you, after, after we, uh, had this conversation, I even though we may have never met, you will recognize my voice when I say hi. And, uh, so it really upset me that he didn't even recognize my voice. And I had to go, man, I choked up a little bit and I'd say, hey, man, it's me, Kelly. And, and this guy got in a bad wreck years ago and, uh, steering wheel, he was a hot rodder and, uh, uh, wrecked his car and the steering wheel, uh, went in through his, uh, chest and, uh, broke all his lower support ribs and all that. So he was kind of a hunched over skinny little, you know, skinny little bastard, and, uh, you know, but I, you know, I used to deliver papers at his house, and he was always nice to me. He was older than me, about my sister's age, and uh, I just said, hey, you know, I, 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 all I could say was, hey, man, it's me, Kelly. You don't want that bastard at your house, do you? And I just assumed, because he had his shoes in his hand and walking out of out of Dennis's bedroom you know uh, uh, just assumed that yeah something happened that shouldn't happen so I'm heading back over there and I'm going well I'll stop and pick up Ed no 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 you know he's still on probation uh, you know for a shooting um, and uh, you know it's my life. I, you know some of the some things I probably shouldn't say say or share. You know, uh, I don't hide anything about what happened from my life because that's part of the education that is so important. Uh, you know, anybody can teach somebody a back fist or a front kick or something like that, but nobody can tell them a reason not to do this and not to do that. And look them in the damn eye while you're doing it. And maybe then we could prevent some of this juvenile crime. But, uh, hey, I'm going to have to go there. And I want to finish this story. <laughs> uh, so uh, I said, no, 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 he's still on probation. You know, and his old man's tough son of a bitch. Uh, um, you know, he was in the Korean War. He only had one arm. He was part of the killing fields over there. And, uh, you know, some real shit happened to him. So I wasn't about to tangle with his old man and go over there late you know, um, and try to roost out Ed. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Dave's. And, and I said, no, Dave will grab his shotgun. Somebody will really get hurt. And well, you know, by the time I got to my destination, I'd ran out of friends and you know, ideas of who, who could back my play without either getting in trouble or causing more trouble than what we needed. So, Hey, I just, 
kind of entered the house and hey there he is right there sitting on the couch i just lit him up with a few hi how are you kicked him in the head pounded on him till his ears bled and smacked a couple of these other guys that thought they were going to jump off the couch and the old lady who's old lady grabs her phone and i'm calling the cops and that's all 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 that was around then was landline so i just ripped that thing out of the wall and uh did what I had to do, and I was in my car. The only thing that was missing was a cape, man. Like, who was that masked man? And uh, you know, next thing you know, this guy, uh, his dad, a one-legged biker, uh, was looking for me. Had a shotgun on his three-wheeler, and he's roaming the neighborhood looking for me. So I decided to turn the. Uh, well, I'm looking for him, you know, and his name, and. Uh, so my, my oldest son, his dad was the president of the shifters at that time, and I raised his son, and I rarely asked him for anything. So I just called him up, and I said, I don't know who he is, but you tell him he keeps looking for me, we'll be calling him Stubby. Because uh, if he's looking for me with a shotgun, well, we're accelerating the name of this game. And uh, so, you know, um, and, and the saga continues uh, because that's another thing that people don't realize is revenge is a vicious circle of violence. And, uh, you know, especially if it's a, um, you know, inner circle, small town or sections of town. And that's what Tacoma is, the sections of town. We had the badasses from the north end, the east side, the south end, you know, and the west side, really. Uh, never got over there too often, but we got some stories about that. There were some pretty girls there, and we liked the music in a certain nightclub, but hey, we're not going to go there right now. Anyway, I guess that kind of establishes, you know, just some of the, I don't know, that's just one of the simple stories, and it's funny. I was down in Beverly Hills, and when Teddy Lukai passed away, and I was at a a friend of mine's house, uh, actually in Beverly Hills, never thought I'd make it there, but that's a great story too. But, you know, I got invited there. And so, uh, Lorenzo Lamas and some of these other, um, you know, interesting guys were around and they got me drinking and, you know, talking a little bit. And this was years ago. And, and telling stories. They're like, hey, this is the shit movies are made out of. And I'm like, yeah, but some of these things I really don't want to tell publicly. You know, I mean, this was probably 20 years ago. And uh, today it doesn't really matter much. You know, shit. Uh, it's all in the inner circle archives anyway. But, uh, oh, so really. The question was, how did I get involved with the military? Well, I had a gym, and I had this reputation. And so military guys started coming to my gym, and they wanted knife. And uh, I was like, well, you know, I do Filipino stuff. I really don't do a lot of knife. I do stick. And well, one of the guys was Filipino. And actually, uh, Colin Powell's son-in-law. Uh, he's no longer married to Colin Powell's daughter. One thing I've learned about Filipino men is you don't piss those guys off 
not you don't piss off the women either because they never forget so it's hard to forgive and uh so anyway he'd show up and he'd bring sticks and we'd close the curtains and we'd transfer the sticks to blade and uh i guess i was establishing that reputation and that skill set all at the same time um you know there's you know, the military taught me how to kill. Soldiers asking me what, you know, what to do. I was afraid of guns because I was a crazy son of a bitch. And I knew that, you know, a bullet is unforgiving. A knife is very intimidating. And uh, you could control the wounds. Um, you know, you could learn to defang the snake. You can hit a guy in the thigh with a small buck knife and uh, wound that guy enough to where he ain't fighting back and you could beat the shit out of him to the level that you needed to to establish uh, communication skills. And, uh, you know, and, um, you know, one of my instructors basically said, you know, don't let him go unless you put him in the hospital. It gives him time to think about, uh, you know, coming back to the scene and uh, lighting your ass up again coming back looking for more so you gotta still fear god and somebody so that they don't come looking for you and uh even then could be three years could be five years somewhere along the line if you're still in the same hometown you're gonna cross paths so it's kind of scary because my daughter's a bartender and uh she tends bar in a neighborhood that's uh pretty aggressive uh you know, my little brother got in a conflict and blew a guy's leg off with a shotgun. And shit, he was wearing a three-piece suit. Uh, he was part of the Young Democrats, uh, uh, you know, they got uh, Senator Scoop Jackson elected, uh, Senator Rasmussen, um, Dixie, Governor Dixie Lee Ray, you know. So he was out of his element, it was my older brother that said, hey, go get the shotgun. He had a problem with somebody. He was too drunk to drive, and he sent my little brother to, you know, get the shotgun. And he pulled up on a, on a you know, I really never made this story very public, but, you know, armed as society is today, um, sometimes you just don't fuck with people out in the middle of the street. And, guy was blocking the road and um, my little brother came up behind him and this guy pulled his knife out told him hey you know F off and uh, you know so my little brother didn't know what to do got kind of freaked out when the guy pulled up you know you know about climbing through the driver's window fanning this knife in his face and so he kicked the door open and the guy went flying and the shotgun came out and he popped one off in the sky and said, now move your car. And the guy grabbed the barrel and pulled it. He said, yeah, right. Pulled it and blew his own leg off. Nobody to blame but his own ignorance and stupidity. So when they say don't bring a knife to a gunfight, well, sometimes it's okay if you know what the hell you're doing other than intimidating. And uh, so intimidation, uh, a knife against a shotgun at close quarter, 
well, you know, I have a feeling that the shotgun's going to win. And it did. So, you know, uh, bottom line is, you know, I drink at home and I drink alone. And if I go out in public, I'm aware of what the hell's coming at you because revenge is me and my little brother look alike in many respects. He's, he's dead now. He, he died of cancer, but I don't know what happened to the other kid. Well, if I see a, a dude coming up on me, walking a little bit awkward and sideways and he thinks he's uh, closing on me, well, I'm going to close on him. And uh, so you just got to be aware of everything, especially if you're living in the same town. And uh, so, you know, they're going to, Another story where, you know, Marshall and Common Sense hopefully have to come together uh, along with some uh, experience. You know, I often say, you know, I didn't have to die to realize that the shit in the neighborhood I was running in and, uh, you know, things I thought was fun uh, could lead to somebody else's death. Uh, or or incarceration. And so, you know, uh, martial arts continues to grow, but that's why the military is looking for me is because I had a common sense approach on, you know, the environmental threats. You know, I, 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 you know, I had a conversation with uh, command out of Fort Lewis, uh, Special Forces USASAW commanders had come up to Fort Lewis to see what the heck was going on up there with their personal training uh, for the Special Forces. And I just said, hey, you know, we're spending uh, lots of money. Raiden, come on. Give me a break. That's my, that's my dog's name. <laughs> uh, somebody's it. out in the park. You know, but uh, um, so I said, uh, you know, we spend all this money on training, but you know, a soldier could be out of uniform. Now he's got short hair and he's walking across the parking lot, maybe with his wife, but somebody could recognize that, hey, this guy's just too clean cut. and You know, let's bunk him off. He looks like he's got a dollar or he's transitioning country to country. And we know, and they know he's an American. Uh, so his his hand-to-hand skills and his ability to improvise uh survival skills with, I don't care if it's a bag of groceries and what's inside it, or it's deployment of a knife, or it's common sense and go, hey, I need concealed weapon permit when I'm, you know, uh, you know, not not on duty, because uh, you know, people would target uh, and during right after war, or right after Vietnam, uh, the long hairs and just a lot of people were targeting soldiers because they're too clean cut. They're pissed off at them about the war. They were just pissed off. Everybody's pissed off at that time. So a soldier could be easily a target. And so that was really how I approached these guys. I was like, Hey man, you know, you guys are a target all, all the time. And, uh, and they were like, wow, you know what? You're, you're right. And so, that was kind of how I, I looked at it. And, um, you know, when I, when I was training there, uh, jujitsu was coming in and everybody thought that was 
pretty cool. And yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. When are you going to ever find yourself barefoot uh, and a pair of pajamas rolling around on a mattress? You know, mats or however you want to look at it. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're doing all that shit, you know, if you're fighting and you're barefoot, because if you were at your house, there'd be a gun or a knife or something strategically positioned. So if you were startled in the night, you'd have access to a, a weapon to engage, you know, whoever's breaking into your house. And, you know, people were like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I pissed off was out there with the Ranger Battalion, and I pulled a knife, and I said, all right, three soldiers, step up here and show me how you're going to wrestle me to the ground for the Ranger Battalion. Well, you guys are pointing at What the fuck are you doing wrestling on the ground and using that as a strategy? I mean, we may go down in the ground on combat, but, hey, if there's concrete, gravel, or rocks, you better do a gator spin while you're on your way to the ground and bounce this head off the concrete, deploy a knife, and neutralize the damn threat, you know, so you can get up and protect your team members if you ain't got enough damn sense to protect yourself, you know, and that applies to a civilian, too, because that's your wife, you know, whether it's a team member, and sometimes you have to look at it like that. Sometimes you have to educate the people you're, you're training to the point that, okay, you don't give a shit about your own life. That's evident because you ain't preparing for the, the real threats of society. So, you know, uh, if they get past you, they're going to rape and kill your wife and your children. How does that make you? Where, where's your attitude now, boy? You know, you got you to gotta light these guys up. You know, and sometimes my approach just isn't the thing. They people martial artists are looking for David Carradine and a and a corner to sit in and meditate about how bad they are while they're wearing, you know, their uniform and their multicolored belt and uh kicking somebody's ass that's dressed just like them. You know, the real violence is out in the street. You know, damn, I don't know. Uh so in that regard, you know, I could I could hide behind my experience and never reveal it, but it's not being fair to, you know, the few people who want to train me, train with me, because the rest of them don't want that other kind of violence. They don't want to be exposed to that kind of shit. They just want to learn martial arts. I think you guys are really confused out there. So I was going to say maybe that might be a segue. We could talk about the natural spirit method then a little too much esoteric. And there again, people are too damn soft-skinned, and I'm going to sue your ass. Well, go ahead. I ain't got shit anyway or nothing. You know what? I'll give it all away to um, provide a principle and a service to my community. And uh, if we're offended by that, well, don't go out of your neighborhood because people are going to start with verbal intimidation just before they kick your ass. And uh, sometimes verbal uh, aggression is the only way you're going to retaliate or build, a, you know, build your spirit uh, to respond to the physical threat that's coming at you. And, you know, if you don't know a few cuss words that fire you up, like, hey, you're banging my wife. 
you know, or my girlfriend, or both. Hey, <laughs> that always pisses off my wife, but I say, yeah, you know, if you got your girlfriend with you, or your wife, or both of them, because the dot two rolls that way, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I get slapped when I get home. Anyway, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Natural spirit. Um, you know, Dr. Yip, uh, Waipo Yip named that. He's an inner city Hong Kong guy. His uh, sister, um, you know, his parents were both educators. Dad was a uh, 10.18 weapon practitioner. His mom was a collaborative wusu practitioner. They were educators. And kids uh, could live, and they were well-to-do. They weren't like uh, Yip Man. He was basically an uncle uh, to the Yip clan and not a really well-to-do uncle. And it's my understanding, and uh, no harm, no foul, but, uh, you know, that kind of established why he lived in a small, it's not like the movie where he's got this huge, you know, beautiful estate down there, my understanding, he trained off a rooftop, and you know, he was he wasn't very well to do. But anyway, uh, Doctor Yip, uh, his parents, his sister was uh, the highest ranked female under Gogo Yamaguchi in Gojo Gojo Ru, and uh, Doctor Yip decided after he had done quite a few different arts. Uh, that he wanted to be Taekwondo. There was two Taekwondo teachers that came into Hong Kong, one in inner city and one on the other side of the Yangshi River, or however you pronounce that. And I don't do terminology, and I don't pronounce uh, uh, Chinese or any other any other language very well. I, I barely speak English. I'm a, I'm a white boy that teaches or speaks Ebonics. Um you know, inner cities, inner city. And I'm proud of that. It's a language unto itself. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, natural spirit kind of evolved through, well, I was, I was changing, you know, my, my art was taught in a boxing ring, uh, sometimes with chairs in the ring, uh, turn the lights off, uh, two or three guys, you know, that's how, that's how we utilize the boxing ring, you know, sometimes just sparring, but in a regular class, that's how I kind of set the scenario up. You know, nightclubs are dark, there's chairs and tables, and there's walls. Well, the ropes were the walls, and, you know, the tables and chairs were just tools that we could, you know, we weren't hitting each other with them, per se, you know, uh, kick a chair into into somebody's base, into their shins, and as they lean over, well, hey, good place for a you know round kick or left hook, right cross, and and we weren't, you know, we were we were educating each other. We weren't, you know, trying to eliminate student body, but just how you do it and how you did it. And, uh, you know, you had to establish a certain degree of understanding and skill before and, and control, you know, uh, I did have a, an old saying like, okay, guys, you ready? No cup, no mouthpiece, no control. You know, we'd kind of laugh and snicker, but Hey, after we were done, we'd all go to the tavern and have, have some, have some more fun, drink a couple of beers and, you know, um, you know, when the bar closed, it was time to go home. And, um, but, uh, you know, so Dr. Yip would be like, well, what, 
what is your what is your where are you where are you going i goes well hey you know it has to be natural meaning i was working in a body shop uh paint painting custom painting cars my knees just after a day of uh painting body my knees just couldn't take high kicking and all the stretching that was fun and cool on on a developmental path uh to where you know oh, i gotta learn how to kick and then, then pretty soon you're uh still gotta pay bills and i gotta acknowledge what my body's doing to me so you know the muay thai stuff started coming in and so i didn't put much emphasis on head kicks i figured my sweeping skills uh, provided that opportunity, you know, punch high, sweep low, and if you needed to kick them in the head, well, you do it on the way while they're going down or after they're down. Um, you know, the only rules is, you know, you're not trying to kill anybody, you're trying to dominate. You know, thankfully, I never did do a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of scary things. Um, that, you know, I reflect on, hey, man, I could have killed that guy there. Oh, I could have killed that guy. That guy probably almost died. Oh, shit, you know. Cops are at the, at the front door. God, you know. And um, Thankfully, I wasn't an extreme drinker. I was a toker, man. I could control my emotions at least through the usage of marijuana as opposed to uh, alcohol. And... Uh, you know, you know, people just, oh, oh cringe, oh, I can't believe he admitted that he was a stoner. You know what, martial artists and people have been getting high since the beginning of time. So about all I could say is shut up and, you know, uh, mind your own business and, um, you know, find your own path in life, but don't uh, dictate mine. Okay, so he's wandering a little bit, but you know, natural spirit, it's got to be natural because if you get injured, you know, or you don't have time to stretch and, you know, all this other martial mindset stuff, you got to be able to respond and react at a moment's notice, you know, uh, if there's beer on the floor, if you're in the bathroom, well, there goes 50% of the techniques that you were working on that had to be pretty, especially for kata and form and things like that. And I really admire kata and form, and there's reasons for that, uh, other than the fact that somebody gets a cool trophy at the end of the tournament. But uh, form is the one place where you can uh, rip a guy's head, head off, shit down his throat, and not have to fill out a police report and go to jail. People don't understand that. If I'm dry firing and, and uh, practicing uh, acquisition and deployment of my, of, of my knife or my sidearm, well, that's form. You know, so, you know, we've, people have a misinterpretation of what form is. If I'm a boxer and I'm shadow boxing, well, damn, that's form. You know, I mean, but, you know, we just look at it as, you know, I could be just a form. Well, let me say it up. Uh, I could be a form sissy, where that's all I do is form, because I'm afraid to get out there and fight. So I'm a pretty boy, and or or I'm so pretty that my techniques don't mean shit. They're the fastest, and look at me standing on one leg and doing a wind wind windmill uh, fifty kick flurry. 
Jesus Christ. In what neighborhood do you think that's goddamn going to work? Try that in the bathroom with a little bit of piss and beer on the floor when a guy's slamming your head into the urinal. Uh, is that, that going to work for you? I don't think so. You know? <laughs> but uh, here again, you know, bringing martial survival from uh, um, from the dojo to the real life, concrete, and, you know, um, snow on the ground, uh, parking lot, cars, you know, crazy assholes that don't play by the rules. Well, what, what rules are those? You know, it's, it, it's a mis, uh, misinterpreted element, you know, because we have candy ass teachers that are so concerned about martial styles that don't apply to our environment, you know, Gojo's cool and Kempo's cool and, and, uh, Shotokan's cool. But how does that apply to, you know, Kelly Warden and Tacoma in, um, you know, wherever I have to go, you know, whether it's Home Depot or, you know, wherever I have to go, the city park. You know, I mean, geez, the dog park. Everybody protects their dog. Shit, I've seen several good-sized scuffles and ass-whoopings at the dog park because, you know, your dog just attacked mine. No, he didn't. You know, next thing you know, you got two men fighting and the dogs are, you know, not managed. And, oh, geez, you know, so, again, that's, that's natural. That's that's an element of natural. So it's not a stylized path, but it could be, you know, if you understand how to apply martial intent to instinctual and natural movement, natural attributes that don't need, um, you know, a warm up. You know how how can I fire? How can I fire with? real intent and, and, uh, good technical skills to, uh, functional and efficient targeting on my opponent, uh, without ripping, ripping muscles out, you know, and, or tearing something or, you know, uh, the threat of falling down and cracking my head on the concrete and then having somebody so close in my proxies proximity that while I'm pissing and moaning and trying to get off the ground due to my own stupidity, I'm getting kicked in the head by two or three guys, you know, I couldn't say that unless it happened or better yet, unless I've seen it happen. Um, you know, when I, when I'm in that, in that, in that environment. So, you know, it gets back down to, I didn't always have to have my ass kicked to know that, uh, playing pool and doing this and that and opening your mouth and looking at the dude's old lady or whatever, uh, you know, will lead to violence depending on what level of control, uh, the guy that I'm engaged with has himself, you know, control over, you know, his faculties, his comprehension of what's, what's this going to lead to? Yeah, you're going to beat my ass in this bar, but if I can get home and get a two by four, 
and you ain't left the bar yet, I'm breaking all the windows out of your fucking car, and I'm waiting for you to come out and adjust my attitude again. And again, you know, nobody likes an ass whipping, and if you do it in my neighborhood, well, I got to reestablish uh, some kind of male dominance. I might piss on your tire, too. But, jeez, this surely doesn't sound like martial arts, does it? Well, it sounds like reality to me. Spirit. Yeah, and natural spirit. And there again, see, the, so, so you know, that's why you have the natural. And then spirit. Well, what does your spirit tell you that you need to do? What is it you need to be? Where? What is? How do you need to respond? Do you have your wife as a threat against her? Are you concerned that, you know, that you're in a parking garage and somebody closed on you? You know, you're going into a parking garage. Dude, you know what? Uh, pull your pull your pocket knife. You know, carry it in a reverse grip so nobody can see it. And be ready for, you know, you're going up to a cash machine, you know. And there again, uh, you know, maybe keep some cash at home so that, you know, when after you've had a couple beers and you, you want to go back out and party, but you're going to go to a cash machine at midnight. Well, you know what? You're lucky. I don't know where you are. I might rob your ass just to educate you. And, and, I, and of course, I'm, I'm just using that. You know, I'm just bullshit. I'm not going to rob anybody. I don't play that game. But, you know, we don't know where, you know, they keep telling us that society's heading for another financial breakdown. And uh, it only takes about two or three days until, you know, geez. Um, I, I, matter of fact, I, I told the uh, police officer this guard, Fred Meyer, uh, walked in, you know, got, got a fixed blade on my left hip and I got my Glock on my right and I kind of pulled my coat back because I didn't want to startle the cop but I just said you know what I don't know if I bought I brought enough ammo to shop at this store <laughs> you know <laughs> and he kind of laughed with me he goes yeah no shit man he goes sometimes I wonder if I could deploy fast enough or recognize the threat you know kind of like Eddie Murphy and the Guy walks into the bar in 48 hours and he's got a trench coat on. Well, it's Southern California, you know, and I think he beads of sweat because he had a trench coat on, but he's hiding that shotgun. Well, that's awareness, recognizing the threat. Damn, you know. So, uh, you know, when we go someplace, we're going to be able to recognize the threat. You know, who 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 looks spooky enough to just come unglued at a moment's notice and you know how can we tell if he's carrying back in or what you know uh is his, is his coat long enough to conceal his waistband um is he thicker up underneath the arms like he's got a shoulder holster rig on you know it's those type of things that's why i don't drink in public i want to know i want to be the guy that, that's ready to go and um, if I have to, and that's to protect others more than it is to protect myself. But, hey, if I, if I can't protect myself, I sure in the hell can't protect others. So common sense, awareness, listening, you know, all your senses should be activated when you're going through a store. You know, the, the kids crying and stuff, you know. I mean, I've got 
children and I've got grandchildren and, you know, I just don't like crying kids. I want to know why that kid's crying. Is that parent slapping that kid around? If he is, somebody's going to say something. There's going to be a conflict right there. You know, um, you're looking at who, how the homeless guys are rolling in and how many are rolling in? Well, you know, a bunch of homeless guys running together. You know, you can come in and create a, a real disturbance in one section of the store while the other guys are roosted in the other section. There's only one security guard. Who's he going to engage? You know, so I don't know, man. Your spirit's got to adjust and adapt to everywhere you're going, even if you're driving down the interstate. Well, shit, you know, the road rage is a real popular thing. You got to... You got to be able to pull over, let it go, let that guy go. Well, at least he's now in front of you. Now, it's it's a sad state that maybe somebody else is going to become his victim. But, you know, you also got to follow the laws until something triggers the violence. And you have to, you know, act, react, or, you know... Phone home, Toto. Um, but, uh, you know, martial arts is really about survival. And I, I, I think that our day as teachers is coming. And I can only hope and pray, you know, you know, even, even the, uh, the sissy boy schools that don't do anything but tournament competition and, you know, are more concerned about pretty boyness and, you know, stuff like that. There's a place for them because those people in there have no understanding of, um, of violence and they're really afraid of it. So, you know, our laws and the schools, cause you little boys stop that, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're taking away, we're, um, I'm trying to think of the word my my wife uses. Uh, we're emasculating the the men um, of America. You know, um, we're not, that's why the military need to go to grappling because they're afraid to get to, they're afraid to engage in boxing. They're afraid to, you know, really engage in fighting. So here we have men that are in their 20s that have never been in a schoolyard scuffle and we're throwing them out in the battlefield. Damn, you know? I mean, we've sissified a lot of our young boys. You know, Boy Scouts can't even carry a knife. You know, a little pocket knife. And, you know, we have to bring, you know men back into manhood and teach them what it really means to protect your family. Let's look at this on our educational board. You know, people work really hard to make a lot of money and become really well-to-do so that they, they, they can dial 911 on their really cool phone, you know, but they're not learning how to protect themselves or how to protect them, their family or even think protection skills. So even though they got all that money, well, who, can they protect their family? No. You know, well, doesn't, doesn't, uh, 
my opinion, you know, all that money and that cool car, if you can't protect it, you can't back that play, somebody may take it away from you or use or just target you, you know. So we have to think in today's time, how do we, how do we become, you know, the protector of our family again? And, uh, and I think it's up to the government, uh, to make an armed society is a polite society. Now, whether we're armed with hand to hand skills or the ability to improvise a weapon or the ability to use a recognized weapon and, and that's a progressive state of survivability. Uh, but you know, I'd prefer to engage somebody in hand to hand as opposed to, really hurt somebody with the weapon. Um, but you know, but you, you, uh, you have to stay coherent, meaning don't go out in public in an environment that potentially we know there's people out there that are armed and then be too drunk or, you know, too intoxicated to recognize that something's going to break out here real soon and it could be out on you or it could be out on somebody else. So, uh, escape and evasion is just as much a survival skill as, uh, engagement is. So, you know, okay. Can we, I wanted to, you, you touched on one subject there that I kind of wanted to dovetail into, uh, cause I was looking through your website and I knew you had a line of uh, of knives that you've had designed, but I didn't realize you also had all the rubber trainers and the palm wrenches and whatnot. Can you talk about some of those implements? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, well, I, years ago, I designed um, uh, the Impact Karambit. And uh, it was a fun little tool, you know. I, it, just, it just came about... Uh, I was doing some drawing, and one of my students is a machinist in uh, Chino Santiago. Uh, he uh, he made it for me in aluminum, and I was like, wow, that's really cool, but I don't want to hit anybody with that damn thing. And uh, so Tim Wagner, owner of Blade Tech, um, we're longtime friends, and I said, wow, hey, you know, it'd be cool if I could make this in some kind of a high-density plastic. So, you know. Uh, Vince Ford, who was one of the um, original knife designers and uh, machinists for Spyderco, uh, Vince was up here um, working with Tim, and he un- Vince has passed away uh, uh, since. But he uh, he made the mold, and next thing you know, I got that thing out. It was really popular. Impact Karambit. And people started to understand, you know, uh, Ernie Emerson, uh, Steve Tarani, I gave all those guys, I was, first I was making them by hand and, uh, yeah, I was just giving them out to people I do teaching with. And, um, you know, I can't say that, uh, they follow suit, but you know, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that's maybe three steps behind when it comes to, Hey, well, this is a great idea. I think I'll market this, you know. But um, so Ernie did come out with something, not not an impact. He came out with an edge weapon. Shomertech asked me if I'd do an edge weapon one. And I was making some um, edged high-density polymer uh, bladed versions of my 
uh, impact crime, but for the Israeli uh, military uh, through Jeff uh, Jeff Jaffe, uh, who owns Tech, just happens to be Jewish. Uh, so I was making those, but I didn't want to turn I didn't want to turn a karambit loose on on the public. I just felt that, you know, we're being scrutinized for a regular knife, so I didn't really want the karambit to come out, a blade of karambit. But, hey, you know, evolution is what it is, and Tarani came out with his, and Ernie came out with his, and, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, now I, I felt that uh, they're reading my tool, Impact Karambit. So, because it's, now it's an impact tool, and customs and uh, you know airport security things like that people are starting to recognize it so that's when I transitioned it to the travel wrench and high density plastic it's really cool you can see it at my kellywarden.com or www.kellywarden.com website and then I then uh, from there you know it's a wrench now and it actually works as a wrench so but my uh, comedy line off that is it loosens small nuts and big nuts alike. <laughs> Ooh, uh, and, uh, so uh, then I made the safety wrench, and it's kind of a Okinawan uh, version. You know, there again, boy, I tell you, people are you know, people ask me, hey, can you make that? And, titanium, and could you do this? And, I mean, there's that uh, self-defense tool. It looks like an owl head, and it's got the two steel spikes. And you know, God, I mean, I'm concerned. I'm not so concerned about my safety. I'm concerned about the stupid guy that gets in a fight with a guy that's going to pull that out and hammer him. I mean, he could put that to a guy's skull. I mean, it, I look at someone. You know. Maybe it's because I'm 65 years old now, and at least I've survived this long without killing anybody. Uh, even though I've had some pretty, t uh, you know, close calls with just, you know, I probably shouldn't have did that. I can't, you know, the human body is pretty resilient, but dang, um, there's a lot of weapons. No matter where you look around, you know, even if it's just the pen and you you don't know how to target the body and you take a guy's eye out, you know, or, you know, you could you stab him in the windpipe and, hey, you just don't have any medical knowledge or self-defense uh, or, uh, excuse me, uh, light, light, uh, um, oh, dang, hitting, hitting the brain fart there, but uh, immediate self-medical um, knowledge to, to stop or to, get this guy breathing again and you know that type of stuff and so uh, i am kind of concerned with the fact that geez what i teach is vicious and ruthless but what other people teach is vicious and ruthless so you know the weapons are uh, weapons are spooky but it's a spooky society so you know moving on the impact tools uh provide a a uh, certain degree of confidence and uh, reinforcement, uh, empowerment, um, force uh, escalation. They can, uh, they're very quick, uh, deployed, 
And if you understand targeting, you can neutralize the threat uh, without doing an extreme amount of damage, just enough damage to get away and, um, you know, uh, protect yourself and protect others. Um, now we go to, that's an impact tool, and now we go to, you know, the edged weapons. And knives are just beautiful uh, in there and their simplicity and so on and so forth. And a lot of things could be a knife, you know, nail can be a knife. And, you know, if they're going to legalize, uh, you know, weapons, they might as well close every hardware store and a sewing um, boutique and, you know, grocery stores. You know, Ed Hart would uh, jokingly say, hey, you know, uh, he, don't, he only went shopping like really late at night, he didn't want to be recognized or, you know, he's out shopping, getting food. He doesn't want to go into, you know, conversations with anybody or he doesn't want to engage anybody. So he just did his shopping early in the morning or, you know, really late at night. And so, you know, the first thing I, I put in my cart, you know, and I was like, what's that? And he goes, canned goods. I goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all need to, um, you know, get our shell stuck. Oh, no, no, they make good projectiles, Kelly. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that was a kind of a humorous uh, way to enlighten me to, yeah, that makes real good sense. And uh, But uh, knives, gosh, uh, very intriguing. And um, I got injured, uh, auto accident, and I couldn't do martial arts and, you know, couple of guys are like man you're just a you know mean son of a bitch if you ain't working out you need to release some of that stress and why don't you make a knife and i was like well how do you make a knife hand me a file and a piece of steel and a couple wood slabs and you know that's how i made my first knife was the file i filed down that steel until i got the shapes i needed and wanted and uh you know i took the first one to uh the Eugene Knife Show, and I bumped into Pat um, Crawford, and I said, "Hey, man, could you turn this knife into a folder for me, Pat?" Well, I sure can, you know. So that was our first kind of collaboration, and it was before collaborations were so popular. So it was just him really doing me a favor, and uh, then I took it from there. I, uh, you know. Um, I was, went through Tim Wagner, and from him, I met, I already knew Mike Gregory. Mike Gregory's, uh, you know, Hollywood celebrity type of thing. Uh, I met Mike Gregory through Jeffrey Lewis, who was Clint Eastwood's buddy in all the movies, Every Which Way But Loose. You know, the guy turns his baseball cap around. Um, you know, it's who you know. And all your connections that link everything to, I was writing for the magazine. I had the videos with Paladin Press, uh, the magazines I was writing for. I was writing for different, uh, you know, fighting, fighting knives. And, you know, so I was reviewing other people's knives. And so it's, it's all the things that I did for people just in what it is I do. Hey, man, I really like your knives. Can I do a review on it? Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, there's a favor. Here's a favor. There's a favor. You know, and so when I was injured, the auto accident, people just helped me out to help me make, you know, better judgment calls on 
how I'm going to financially survive. And so that's how the knives came, came into play. And then I just started making more knives and, you know, designing things. And some things I couldn't do. I, I can make fixed blades. I can't, I'm not a folder guy. I could put a folder together with pieces, but right now I just don't have the machining capabilities and things like that. So I can make a crude folder. I'm not going to make the, a beautifully well machine folder. So I'm a fixed blade guy. So yeah, that's how I um, came about the uh, skill sets of of making uh, knives. Of course, knife was one of the reasons the military was also coming at me, uh, wanting to learn uh, those skill sets. Interesting enough, I would teach machete and uh, big knife to the military guys. Well, when they go to the Philippines, you know. It's not the, the inner city um, stuff. That these guys are out in the bush, and uh, the Filipino, um, you know, military guys all been they're out in the bush too. You know, uh, so the big blade, the big blade skills, and uh, I'm pretty well known even in the Philippines. And so the soldiers had mentioned that they're training with me, that they have these skills and, you know, people were soldiers, a soldier, soldier. These guys are impressed with the fact that, uh, you know, American special forces guys have nice skills. They were really impressed, uh, down in South America. One of my students, uh, special forces are training, somebody down in South America and he's always playing with his war tack, his uh, warden tack to a folder and um guy says, Wow, could you teach me some of that? And uh you know, this guy from South soldier in South America and so Romero uh went about uh, just sharing with him, you know, uh, universal movements, you know, Rampita, Banda Banda, Crusada, classical thrusting, you know, different things like that, how to pass, how to engage. And then uh, the guy was getting deployed and going somewhere and remembered established a real friendship with him, so he just gave him my knife. And he figured he'd get one when he got back to the U.S. And, um, and so this guy came back you know, months later and says, that knife saved my life and so did the things that you taught me. So it was just, and, you know, things like that, word gets around, you know, that, hey, man, you know, stuff guys learned at uh, Fort Lewis. They were teaching down in Central America, down, you know, here and there and everywhere. And, you know, so, yeah, I guess that's, some of the things I got popular. I mean, I had soldiers come up and tell me he was over in uh, Afghanistan and uh, came around a corner and um, there he was face to face. And his, the guy jammed his firearm so he couldn't go with it and had a knife and so he had a fixed blade. Um, on his hip, and he was able to deploy that. He went close quarter engaged. He goes, it was your system, and it saved my life. I was like, no, I'd probably shit and fell back in it. You know, you're the soldier. I'm just the teacher, and, you know, I you know, I appreciate you acknowledging. You know, I owe you a case of beer, you know. 
was your stuff that saved my life. I said, no, just wait right here. I went and got a case of beer, and I paid for that and gave it to him. I said, here, man, you know, you saved your life with whatever I taught you, but you made it work, and you made it function, and it wasn't the first time that he'd mentioned, you know, he'd contacted me, contacted me uh, actually when he was in the Philippines. He um, uh, was in a bar drinking, and there again, recognized because of the haircut, because of how Americans look. And I come to find out that uh, it was a couple Turks, and uh, they were buying these Americans. Oh, it's great, it's great, you know. And they're buying these Americans uh, uh, some drinks, and they got pretty well shit-faced. And, uh, and next thing you know, they leave. There's three of them. And they're pretty much holding up their buddy. And as they walked out the door, one of these guys hit him dead in the face with a brick. Broke his face up. Blood was everywhere. He took off running down the street. Well, my buddy, Bill, took off running down the street after him. He was a sergeant major. Uh, pretty tough all unto himself, unto his own. And he came around the corner got hit with a two-by-four, split him from the side of his face, behind his ear, all the way around to the front of his face. Blood was so bad he couldn't hardly see anything, and this guy was going to swing and hit him again. Well, you know, that's swinging chairs and throwing shit and, you know, using the wall and vehicles and the motor pool, and, you know, all of that was part of what it is. I was teaching out of Fort Lewis and uh, Reigns. You know, we would uh, literally go outside in the snow when the jujitsu guys were laying in there on the mats. And I was like, hey, it's, they're like, it's raining, it's snowing, it's, you know, it's cold out here. I said, well, where are you going to be in a conflict, you know? But uh, so environment was really something that I emphasized. And uh, so, you know, Bill engaged this guy, and he's he thrown one against the wall and uh, kicked one and uh, said he was going to pull his knife. And he was he was ready to go, but he realized he couldn't see shit and that uh, escape was a better option. So he just turned around and boots good back to where he was and by that time um, you know not sure who the the third guy was that didn't get hit with the brick Uh, he had signaled uh, one of the small vehicles up in the Philippines never been to the Philippines myself so uh, like a small taxi of some sort uh, headed to the hospital to get him some stitches and get the other guy you know his face taken care of and you know I guess by the time they got to the hospital the back of that that little taxi was just full of blood and just crazy but that's that, that was that was two stories just from the one soldier you know he he really felt uh, you know the training that we did with throwing people through against walls and um, you know evading shit ducking and 
moving and all the things we were doing, like wherever we were, if we were in a building training, tables were turned and chairs were, you know, thrown and, you know. And again, I didn't have injuries uh, out of Fort Lewis. Interesting enough, uh, the soldiers that were doing the jujitsu, and I'm not down in jujitsu, but it's not a sport. Life is not a sport. So these guys were getting each other down on the ground and trying to crank, get the arm bar so they could get the tap. I could give a shit less about the tap. I want the break. So if I put a guy in an arm bar, I, uh, I lock and disengage and, you know, drop my weight and, you know, simulate that everything's a break. I'm not interested in trying to get a guy that's as strong as me or stronger. We sit there and struggle until I tear a ligament or something else. It's a 12-man team. If one guy gets injured, you got, you got the rest of the team that don't have that member of the team. Now they got to find another member. That that 12-man team may not be able to, to deploy, you know, and the, the guy that got hurt, well, he may not have a team because he'll be replaced. So it makes no sense to turn us into a, a UFC match, unless you're going to go out in the concrete, throw some broken glass down and say, yeah, let's see how this shit works in real time. By the way, I got a, I got a boot knife, I got a sidearm, uh, I got body armor on. You know, you shoot for my legs, what are you running into? Body armor. Oh, interesting. If you close it on me, how did I let you get that close to me? If we are in combat... And I'm going into, you know, grappling mode. How many weapons have been, how many weapons did I fail to engage? How many weapons, you know, how many mm-hmm. weapons failure did I have? Well, my long gun, my short gun, my knife, there's three. You know, my boots, there's four or five. My fist, six, seven. You know, my elbows, you know, my knees, my body armor, my helmet, you know, those are all, those are all weapon failures. And now I'm grappling. Wow. How aware am I? You know, and I know you're closing real quick. And part of it is, uh, you know, um, detainment, you know, uh, that's what you're, you, you may need to detain somebody. So you're closing in on somebody else and, uh, but there's there's just a lot of a lot of things that people are misinterpreting when it comes down to you know urban warfare and uh, what it is you need to what it is that you need to do to survive or to neutralize the threat. All right, today on the Artist of Motion, my guest has been Kelly Warden. I've had a wonderful chat with him for the last hour or so. And what I wanted to do now here at the end of our show is to turn it over to you, Mr. Warden. So uh, what message would you like to send out to our listening audience? And then I want to give you the opportunity to, you know, I call it the hashtag plug your stuff moment. So how do, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Where do they find your products? All that good stuff. Sure, sure. Well, you know, chances are uh, I possibly could have offended uh, a few people out there in the audience. Um, if so. I'm, uh, I'm thankful that I was able to at least reach you and maybe uh, 
give you some things to think about. Oftentimes I go, if I haven't offended you, give me a little bit more time. I surely will. Uh, It's just another way to uh, provide an educational forum because a lot of people don't think uh, the way I do. And the way way I do process information is is due to uh, the individuals that I've been exposed to. So it's not always... Me, I've had some great teachers, and uh, Jesse Glover, Richard Bastilio, Ramey Praces, Ted Lukai Lukai, uh, Leonard Trigg, um, and and the list goes on. There's just some great guys. Not all of them were my uh, teachers. I kind of consider them my mentors because all martial arts are good. So I had a martial mindset, and I had martial skill. I, I loved Shotokan Karate. I loved the Ishin Ru. There wasn't any martial arts that I did that I didn't truly enjoy, but there were, there were holes and voids in it. So I used seminars to go plug that hole and plug that void, and then it's not like I needed to be saturated with a, a complete style. I just wanted a piece that gave me the ability to think and process. If I have too many pieces, how am I going to blend that in uh, to where it fits? I just need some technical insight so that I know that I have that void or I have that hole. And then I want to um, create that Jeet Kune Do, that freedom of expression, that apply what is useful. And uh, I, that there is, you know, natural spirit. And as I traverse through life, you know, everything has to change. I just went through a bout of cancer and I had a stem cell transplant and, you know, uh, wow, get him now. He's down. Well, yep, that's true. Physically, I'm not going to engage a person uh, with the, the physical prowess that I once had. So I'm going to have to stab or shoot that. If I can't talk my way out of it. So verbal judo and conflict avoidance is very important because I don't also don't want to engage, uh, you know, the court systems or be sitting in jail and, you know, bump into somebody that may have a, you know, a thorn in their side from when I was a young strapping young buck, you know, so, uh, life changes, you must change, you must adapt and uh, adapt your martial arts as well. Um, you know, my products are who, who and what it is I am. Uh, you get a hold of me at kellywarden.com. Um, another website I have is Warden Defense. Uh, videotapes are an important aspect. I know YouTube's out there and there's uh, a lot of a lot of things uh professor praises said to me oh you have the uh computer mind no man i film every session that i can and i watch and, and see what it is you do and then i adapt and uh professor praises was uh to me filipino martial arts is jeet kune do with less restrictions you know people are so concerned about jeet kune do because bruce lee did this and bruce lee did that did that well, the only thing that Bruce Lee did for me that I could really absorb was he adapted whatever was practical. I don't give a shit about, you know, the techniques that Bruce Lee did because I'm not, you know, 137 pounds and five foot seven. I'm 6'2", 240 pounds. So I don't move like Bruce Lee. You know, people go, oh, boy, doesn't he move like Bruce Lee? Well, geez, just think how good he'd be if he 
uh, mimicked himself, you know. So people are really strange, in my uh, opinion. They're always looking for something other than who they are internally. So be yourself. Uh, learn to be natural. Adapt to the environment. Adapt to your age. Adapt to the threat. Be aware. Um, realize that uh, violence is uh, going to be more prevalent uh, as society uh, continues to be unpredictable and more laws are being passed to disarm society and disarm the people and people are afraid of everything so you know you got to be able to protect yourself to protect your family and life is not a sport so look around uh, avoid the contract situation you know, support the school or support the teachers that you want to support. I don't do contracts because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to make you feel that you have to pay for information that you can find. You know, uh, do seminars, do workshops, and then practice and train. Get a training group, get, uh, a training partner. My school is in my home, in my in my garage. It's a big garage, and, you know, uh, we train privately. So, but I am accessible and, uh, you know, it's more important that you become a natural practitioner of your own, um, for your own attributes and make it happen that way. Um, yeah, I want to thank Steve for, uh, giving me this opportunity. I, I have a feeling I was long winded in a lot of things, a lot of stories and information I shared with you, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's good information and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it doesn't apply to you. Uh, fast forward, <laughs> rewind, whatever you got to do. Uh, but I enjoyed the time. So thank you very much, Steve. And uh, to listeners out there, uh, looks like he's doing, Steve's doing a great job at uh, providing uh, instructors that could uh, en enrich your life and enrich your survivability. And that's an important that's an important element of uh, martial combat, and we, we all should have that. So, appreciate it, and you guys uh, take care. If you need anything, contact me, Kelly Warden at www.kellywarden.com. There you go, man. Right on. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate you taking the time out today. Sure, sure. No worries. That was a hefty dose of uh, reality-based information there from Dr. Warden. So, had a great chat with him. Uh, he's got a lot of really, really interesting stuff to say. Had a lot of really uh, solid experience. So happy to have him and uh, make sure you check out his products because he's got a line of really cool defensive studies programs as well as his own line of knives and he's got that travel wrench that goes with it as well. So good stuff. Not sure who's going to be on our next episode yet. We're still working through that kind of stuff. As soon as we figure it out, we'll get that episode up and running. But uh, we had a great episode this week. So, if you, again, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or subscribe on Google Play. Or you can subscribe on podbead.com. All kinds of different ways for us to get heard these days. And I'm loving doing this podcast. So, thank you to everybody who's helped us out. Thank you to all of our guests. That's it for this week. I'm Steve Zelazowski for the Artist of Motion podcast. <laughs>